Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. So we are in James chapter 5, and I believe we'll finish today. And I just want to finish the discussion that happened yesterday at the last episode to talk about the importance of prayer. James was talking about, if anyone is sick, call for the elders to come and anoint you, and the prayers of the faithful will heal you. And there's a tendency to think in terms of modern-day 20th century medicine that healing from prayer, or that the healing power of prayer is some sort of thing that we control that when we pray for somebody, we harness this supernatural medical power that's going to heal us from every affirmity and disease and sickness in our life. And because we have this incredible medical system and we understand now about diseases and sickness that somehow Christians are stupid or ignorant to pray for other people. But that takes a very, very modern 20th century look at what sickness is and what prayer is. Because prior to the scientific method of the last 100 to 200 years, there was not a separation between physical ailment and social ailment and spiritual ailment and emotional ailment. And it all was combined into one kind of thing in our life, which was called sickness. And the way around that sickness was for the vast majority of human history, the way through that sickness was prayer. And because we live in this scientific age, we've lost some of the deep-rooted understanding of the power of prayer for the human condition. Now, what do I mean by that? We know, even under today's medical science, we know this, that one of the biggest factors in getting sick is the fact that you have too much stress in your life. I have too much stress in my life. When I have too much stress in my life, a whole realm of things happens. The first thing is that cortisol, this hormone called cortisol, increases. When cortisol increases over a certain point, it is actually very dangerous and deadly in our life. When that happens, we don't get enough sleep. When we don't get enough sleep, our immune system goes down significantly. When we don't go outside, and get enough vitamin D when we spend all of our time inside, we, there is a potential for our immune system to be compromised. God created our human bodies with an incredible ab- amount and ability to heal itself. And I'll just give you one example. Let's talk about type 2 diabetes. For years, and I mean years, the medical community said that once you had type, di- type 2 diabetes, you could never, ever recover from this. 
And yet the research now, just over the last five to 10 years, shows that with a few lifestyle changes in your life, you can actually, you can actually over, overcome type 2 diabetes. And it's actually not that difficult. Type 2 diabetes, the understanding now is, is that type 2 diabetes is a condition in the human body where we are so, we, we have too much insulin in our body that we, that we, our lifestyle is such that we just have too much insulin in our body. We never, never let our body rest from insulin, which fasting does that. And fasting is an old treatment that has been around for years. And if you can control your body and fast for a little bit, it lowers the insulin level in your body and start to heal from type 2 diabetes. But the medical community said once you had type 2 diabetes, it was over, it was done with, you could never heal from it. But now we know. There are some deeper truths in the medical community that the, the faith community has understood for a very, very, very long time. Did you know? I'm sorry I'm picking on fasting, but I'm fascinated by fasting. In the 1930s, if a person had epilepsy, the cure in the 1930s for epilepsy was fasting. How, how's that? That if a, if a person had epilepsy, that one of the things you could do to reduce the, the significance and the severity and maybe even all of epilepsy was to just fast, that person fast for a period of time. We used to know this. It was part of the medical treatment. But our medical community now just treats the sickness with medication. And so if you have epilepsy, the medical community will di will diagnose you, okay, have epilepsy, and here's the four or five drugs or here's the, you know, that are potential for you to take. But we never, as a medical community in the United States with Western medicine, pause and say, is there something that you could do in your lifestyle that could change you from having this? And this is something I think that the faith community and the medical community will struggle with over the next 10 to 15 to 20 years is going back to some of the old truths that we have known for a long time about sickness and how if you just live a simpler lifestyle, if you live a, a lifestyle of eating healthy, if you live a lifestyle with plenty of rest, plenty of sunshine, reducing stress in your life, and yes... When you are overwhelmed by things in your life that are causing you stress, call upon people in your life whom you trust who can come and listen and pray over you and give you that strength from God to say, I you are not removed from the kingdom of God. God still loves you. And this goes into what we were talking about in James because I just want to read this last verse that we looked at yesterday. It's verse 16 of James 5, where James says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What James is saying is when you have all these stresses in your life, when the world is crashing down on you, then call for people in your life to come and surround you and offer prayer. Now, if you have been sick, 
ever in your life, even, even a medical diagnosis. Just recently, a friend of mine had cancer and was surrounded by people that lifted this person up and prayed for this person and said, you're not alone in this. And, and this person said that those prayers have been effective and healing in, their, in this person's life. And you talk to anybody that's going through something like a major sickness, and one of the most powerful things, besides the medicine, is just having somebody in their life, this, in any person's life, saying, you are not alone in this, and we stand with you, and we love you, and we care for you, and we're going to pray for you. You are part of a larger community of people. You're not alone in this. Being alone is like the worst thing ever for human beings. And to think that you're alone is the worst thing for human beings. I think of, I think of the leaders in the world, all across the world, that are dealing with this pandemic. And at some level, you can get all the advice, all the medical information. You can surround yourself with the best advisors. And yet, ultimately, it comes down to probably one person who is the leader of a town or a community or a state or a country or the World Health Organization or the National Institute of Health or you name it, a drug company or whatever. But at some point, somebody in that leadership position has to make a decision to say, we're going to do X, Y, or Z. And it may or may not be the right decision. Because none of us are perfect. We can never make the right decision. And, and at some level then, these people are making these decisions. And then once a decision is made, they are surrounded by people that appreciate the decision, but they're also surrounded by people that are going to come after them because of their decision. And they're going to be, th those decisions will be used against them politically. Now, you would think, no, not not the National Institute of Health or a medical community or, no, everything, everything in life can be used against you uh, in some way, shape, or fashion because there are people out there, there are bad actors out there that are trying to use whatever they can against you to, to get more power for themselves and to deplete power from yourself. It's just the human condition. And so... Being surrounded by people that will love you and pray for you and being able to confess your wrongdoings, to say, yeah, I messed up, and then to have somebody to come around you and say, that's okay. You're still a child of the king. You're still, you still have value. You're still loved. If you do not have those types of people in your life, if you do not have people in your life that show you grace when the going gets really, really tough, then you will not live a long and healthy and prosperous life. And it doesn't matter what the medical community does because first and foremost, sickness is, in my opinion, sickness is first and foremost a spiritual, emotional, well-being type of thing. And when people start going downhill, it is because... Well, I mean, it can be from a lot of different things. First of all, we know that there are sicknesses and disease. I'm not saying that if you have an exposure to coronavirus that you won't get it if you are 
well ensconced in the kingdom. But what I am saying is that if you get enough sleep, if you get enough vitamin D, if you eat right, if you watch your health, if you surround yourself with people who love you, if you reduce cortisol in your life, if you, if, if when you are sick, you call upon other Christian people who understand the power of grace and they come and they explain to you that you're still in the kingdom of God and they love you and they pray for you and you are part of a family, a larger family that loves and supports you, you will, by definition, have more protection against the diseases of life than a person who's always stressed out, always not getting enough sleep, always trying to rely on their own, own self as opposed to relying on other people. It's just that simple. And, and the medical community knows this. And, oh, man, years ago, when I first started looking into this, I even did some research into the medical community, and they understand the power of, you will find article after article. After, I haven't looked recently, but if you look on the Internet to talk about the power of prayer in health or the power of being surrounded by people who will pray for you in health, you will find a direct correlation. The medical community knows this. And so... When you are sick, don't be afraid to find somebody in your life that's willing to walk with you in this. And even at another level, in the, in the level of counseling, like I wonder if that's why counselors, like if the Christian church has lost this message and we've, we've given this whole realm to counselors, and I'm grateful for counselors, don't get me wrong, but I wonder, like, how did people live their life before we had counseling? Well, they lived their life by being surrounded by people that loved them and cared for them and prayed for them. And maybe part of our problem, while there's so much mental problems going through, and I mean, there is disease. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just people who just need somebody to listen to them and care for them. Like, maybe that's because... We've acceded, you know, we've kind of given that whole realm over to a professional medical person called a counselor. And we of a church have lost the ability to simply just walk alongside somebody when they're going through something. I mean, I, mean, I honestly believe that that's something the church has fallen short of and that we as a Christian community should look at and maybe activate better than what we do. Because according to James, if anyone's sick, have them call the elders of the church. They'll come and pray over them, anoint them with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And I think there's power in that. And we should take a look at that as a church. I guess I wanted to finish that little section today. But we're going we're gonna to continue on in James. We're going to just read the last part of this, uh, which is fascinating, and, and we'll probably finish uh, today. So let's go ahead and look at James 5, chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years, and then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So this is a little story uh, in the Old Testament. 
during the time of one of the kings, Ahab, and the people were not repenting. They were not doing the things that God had wanted them to do. And so Elijah, this prophet, comes in and he starts prophesying and people wouldn't listen to him. And he says, okay, I'm going to pray. And so he prays for no rain and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prays for rain and and then the earth produces its crops. And throughout this whole process, the people realize the power of God. And and the message of, of, of this, the reason why James points this out is, you know, we think that medicine is so important. We think that power in this world is so important. We think that money, wealth, power, influence, medicine, all these things that we put our faith in, that they're so important. And yet sometimes it takes an event like Elijah to say, listen, you think you have a handle on everything. Let me show you what the creator of the universe can do. And God allowed Elijah to pray and he withheld rain for three and a half years and then he brought rain again to point out that God is more powerful than anything this earth has. It's that simple. When you are in the kingdom of God, you have the whole host of heavenly armies and the power of God, the Holy Spirit in your life to help you in every struggle of life. You have, you have the people that are, that are in the church that surround you with love and power that is much more wonderful and powerful than anything the world has to offer. And we forget that. And sometimes God allows us to remember that. And he did that with Elijah. And then let's just finish this. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Now this is quoted all the time. That if you bring a sinner back, you know, you'll save them from death. This is very important. But we can't think of just physical death here. We have to think about this this emotional, spiritual sin that comes into a person's life and, and takes them on a path towards death, which ultimately is death. But it, it, on, in a broader sense, just looking at this whole chapter of what, what he's talking about, this is basically saying, listen, brothers and sisters, listen, church, listen, you, listening to me, listen to me, listen to all of us. When someone is is spiraling out of control because of sin in their life, and it could be any type of sin, it could be, it could be an outward, you know, an outward sin that we're like, man, that's a huge sin. Or, or, you know, sin is also spiritual stuff. It could be a person who's spiraling out of control because they're right now stressed so much about the pandemic that they have no hope for the future. That, that can lead to death too, because stress at some level, if the, and you may know people in your life that simply cannot move forward because of this pandemic. And they may never come out of their house again because they're just, they don't trust the medical community or they don't trust the, the vaccinations or whatever it is they don't trust. They, they're like, the risk is just too great for me. But at some point, if they want to survive and live in the community that God has placed us in, they're going to have to accept some level of risk always because life is risky. We're never promised tomorrow by God. 
he could say, this is your last day, David, and we're going to take you tomorrow. And that's okay with me because then I'm firmly with him in the life that he's going to give me forever. It's hard for the people I leave behind. I understand that. But the joy of being forever with Jesus is greater than anything this earth has to offer. But he leaves us here and he calls us to remain here so that we can continue to serve him in this life. But if we see people that are just spiraling out of control, I call it the death spiral, like just one thing happens and then it it leads into another thing and it leads into another thing and pretty soon that person is spiraling out of control. That if you can get into their life and if you can pray for that person, if you can share for them the truth that God loves them, he cares for them, there's no sin that is greater than the power of God to forgive that sin. And if you're able to help them out of that spiral and bring them back into stable ground, if you can turn them from the error of that way and save them, you will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. And we think of this with our 21st century, um, you know, that sin is, is this horrible thing in their life that they've done. And it could very well be, but it could also be just the power of, of the human condition and the sinful human condition spiraling them out of control. It could be all of that. And when you walk alongside them and pray for them and be there for them and share God's grace and God's truth for them, you will save them from death and you will cover over a multitude of sins in their life. This is powerful, powerful stuff. And I think of all the stuff that James has talked about in this book, how he started with tribulations and how tribulations you know, these parosmas, they come into our life and how when you, when you get through them, God strengthens your faith and he helps you for living. And then he ends with this, which is basically help people see that the struggles of life are not going to separate them from God, but that God can use these struggles to make them healthier and stronger and more resilient to the things that happen in life. And part of the Christian human condition is to help people see this in the midst of the struggles and trials and tribulations they're going to. So it does not surprise me that James ends with this because James is talking to people who are struggling right now. These are people that are no longer in Jerusalem. They've been scattered from Jerusalem and they're trying to make a life in places far away from their homeland far away from the communities that they've known and they're trying to figure it out in new communities and new places. And James is basically just trying to give them hope. And I think this letter does provide hope in many, many ways because when we are surrounded by a family of people who love Jesus and love us, there is always, always always hope. So I think we'll end it there. And uh, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, thank you for this letter and thank you for the time we've spent going through it. Lord, be with us in every trial and struggle and tribulation and sin and fill us with more of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.